Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They have completely gone off the deep end. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. The awkwardness is the Colts had called a press conference for 4 Eastern on Wednesday in which they were going to introduce Josh McDaniels as their next head coach. That press conference has been canceled. We don't know what exactly his reasons are. There's been people who've been talking about it. And everybody has a right to change their mind. Just know that it comes with consequences now as far as people looking at you maybe unfavorably and you better have a pretty rock solid situation as far as where you're going to go back to because you've made it very difficult on yourself. I still think Judd's theory is the leader in the clubhouse here. I think I am the king of conspiracy theories. Include Tom Brady in your mix of potential potential conspiracy theorist uh, culprits. Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft as one last show of solidarity bonding together to screw the team that blew the whistle on them for Deflategate. Well, and also think about the fact that if McDaniels has been promised to be at some point in the next few years Belichick's successor, handpicked by the way, it probably happened months ago. And they said, okay, but we're not going to announce it certainly and what we're going to have you do, Josh, is if the Colts approach you, in fact, we are going to advocate for teams to approach you. And most of the teams just say, yeah, no thanks. But if the Colts approach you, what we want you to do is we want you to go as far down the road as possible to accepting the job. Now, you don't sign a contract, of course, but have your assistants, a list of people we also hate, start signing contracts. And then at the 11th hour, say, call Chris Ballard, the GM, up and say, you know what, Chris, I've been thinking. Really like it here with the Patriots. I can't do it. I can't leave. Mm-hmm. I'm out. And what would be... You know, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of vindictive Bill Belichick and even like vindictive Tom Brady. Tom Brady was Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft, too. Yeah, all all of them were just incredulously upset about the four game suspension, you know, their legacy being tarnished, that it's a minor infraction. At worst, we got pulled over for speeding. You're going to put us in jail for murder. Right. And that's that was my opinion, too. And what's the one thing you can do? Put it in your back pocket and get back at the franchise that blew the whistle on you. Mm -hmm. It's not beat them on the football field. They haven't lost to the Colts since 2009 on a football field. It's not, oh, let's run the score up. No, that's too easy. We can do that. That's too easy. We'll be doing that regardless. Let's stick another (laughs) knife in them and let's let them bleed out. Let's get them to hire and sign in ink a bunch of assistant coaches. Yes. And send a press release out and look like complete fools. Mm Mm-hmm. And Josh McDaniels, who also looks a bit shady here, you're going to get a soft landing because we're just going to give you the job after Bill Belichick leaves. 
I love it. Your conspiracy theory might be 100% right. I told you, this is the equivalent of a National Football League mafia hit. And to get made, Josh McDaniels had to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's been made. He's going to succeed Belichick. It's like, Josh, we like you, but you're not part of the family just uh, quite yet. What do I have to do to be part of the family? Robert, Bill, Tommy, you got you to gotta get at the Colts. You got to get the Colts. Yes. Josh McDaniels basically walked up behind the Colts organization with a silencer on his gun and pulled the trigger. It's amazing. What's the quickest any of you guys have ever quit something? Either a job or a relationship? Like, what's what's the what's the quickest you ever said? Eh, okay, not for me. My quickest. There's two things. One, I quit. I actually tried to do multiple times, and I quit each time early. Uh, the quickest I ever quit though was because I was a big kid in high school, like my sophomore year or so. My buddies got me to go out for football, but it was a captain's practice. And I went to one, and basically it's July and you run. It's just miserable. You and I had the same football experience. I went to one captain's practice. I ran a bunch. And, like, I didn't know where I would even play. And the coach is like, yeah, if you want to do this, that's fine. But my friends are all like, oh, no, no, try out, come out. And I ran for a July day, and I said, you know what, I this is not for me. <laughs> So I had a very similar, I, I played football in like fifth grade, so tackle football started in fifth grade, so I did play tackle football in fifth grade, sixth grade, and then seventh grade, and so I, I did play like two or three years of football, and it was either seventh grade or eighth grade, I went, I think it was seventh grade, I went to practice, and I might have, actually, I played a full year seventh grade, because I went to practice like one day in eighth grade, thinking, I was kind of lukewarm, I was, I was all in on baseball, and I was playing basketball and just picked up playing golf and stuff. So I figured I got enough going on right now. I was a I was a in band and stuff, all these activities. And football, you're either like mentally in or you're not on football. Yes. And I remember it was an August day and they had us run in what were called, I believe, three fifties. Mm-hmm. So a hundred yards, and is it, it, what's the length of the field the other way? Is it fifty yards across? Whatever whatever the math was. Yeah, or something, like something whatever. Yeah. We had to run like three hundred and fifty yards. And beat a certain time, and they mm-hmm. they just kept making us run these oh, like no. all around two football yeah. field laps, no. no water breaks, like specifically. And this was before Corey Stringer died. This would have been in the nineties, and it was just this drill sergeant coach screaming, "If the if the guy in the back can't beat the time, then all of you have to run again." And so we ran like ten of these things. People are throwing up. We got to the locker room, and everyone's got borderline heat stroke. And I said, "What am I doing? Yep. I don't really want to be doing this anyways. Like, I don't even really love playing football because unless you're playing a fun position in junior high, if they, if you're already like a tight end or a right guard in junior high, yeah, it's not that fun." And that's what I was, and so I stopped. And and plus, if that's like JV or for for you in junior high, and you think to yourself, okay. If this is if this is JV, what's varsity like? Yeah, you know, yeah. or I mean, if this is my if this is sophomore football at Benilde St. Margaret's, what the hell is the varsity coach doing? Exactly. So I switched to like year round baseball, fall baseball, and okay. dome baseball, and the Rice and Arlington Dome. The other thing that I quit very quickly after one time was also football related. Ninth grade high school newspaper, and I was going to work for the sports section as an activity. Yeah. So one of my first tasks was to go cover a high school football game uh-huh. and then report on the game. And I realized, because they didn't really have like media credentials, you just sat in the stands and watched the game, and then you, anyone could go on the field after the game and go talk to players and stuff. Right. And I realized, this isn't fun. All my friends are sitting up, you know, having a good time in the stands, 
You got the pep band over here, which I would be a part of because I feel play trumpet. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here with like a notebook taking notes on this game. Mm-hmm. This is stupid. And so I went out and I interviewed a couple players and like they didn't give me any good stuff because they're high school kids. <laughs> high school play- yes, and wrote some idiot story, turned it in, and then wound up writing a note that just said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And that was it for I'm you? Out. So my media career one came game? to a halt after ninth grade, one game, and then I rekindled oh, see, it a few years later. See, I kept it going. I, I did, didn't quit there. The only other thing that I quit multiple times, I think I did it twice, if not three times. I think it was twice. Um, my best friend in grade school was in, into Cub Scouts. So I tried Cub Scouts twice, and I quit both times. It was so boring. And I, I got in trouble one time, too, because we were going through... We were in Excelsior, and and it was a a woods cleanup. So you know you got your garbage bag, and hey, if you see any Snickers wrappers, pick them up. Well, I accidentally picked up because it, there was a building development going on in that woods. Surveyor sticks and started to throw them away. Oh. <laughs> it's like a Snickers wrapper. And this, well, I just what? saw I just saw this big branch like thing that looked like it didn't belong, and so I I think it had toppled. I don't think it was in the ground standing up. I think it had fallen, and so I was like, "No, this thing can't. This this is garbage." And <laughs> we had den moms, and the moms like, "Judd, no, you can't touch that." And of course, it was too late. Judd walks by like a dead body decaying that police haven't found yet to pick up a surveyor stick. Surveyor stick. <laughs> it was a development. I didn't know. So anyway, oh, I quit amazing. Cub Scouts at least twice, though. I thought. Well, it, don't forget about the uh, the Judd and Fun Show and the Judd and Debate I Show. I didn't quit those things. <laughs> My partners were taken away in those cases. That's very different. But Cub Scouts was was the type of thing where you keep thinking to yourself, this should be, like, this looks like it'd be fun. My friends are doing it. No. And then you do it, and it's just as boring as Never hell. get into the Cub Scouts thing. Never even, never even, like, I know that if I would have gone out for one day, I would have for sure quit after one day. So count that, too. See, my buddy was doing it. So I was like, okay, I, you know, I mean, we can hang out. It's going to be fun. And it was just, but the surveyor stick thing was problematic because yeah. I sort of felt bad that I got in trouble for throwing I, away I something. quit on a first date one time after 30 minutes huh? and like came up with a false excuse why I had to leave. <laughs> uh, I remember we were sitting inside, uh, it, it was actually a sushi place in kind of by Uptown called Wakame. Okay. You remember, I, it, I think it's still there. It's really good. If, if it's still there, it's, it's always been really good. Mm-hmm. Over by that Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. And we sat there and it was like, it was kind of a setup. This is like 10 years ago. And um, so we both we both met for the first time sitting in the booth. Okay. But we had mute, some mutual connections or something, so it wasn't a total blind date, but it was like, okay, we're meeting each other for the first time. And I realized five minutes in, oh, no, this isn't, mm-mm. It might have been three minutes in where you're just like, ah. Oh. And you make the mistake of ordering drinks and maybe some food, and so now you're kind of stuck there. So it was like a half hour. We get done with our drinks and food and I think we had a two hour window that we were going to maybe go do somewhere else something else and so I told her after 30 minutes hey I, I'm sorry to do this but I have to go because of some BS excuse and she goes okay and kind of like acknowledges it waitress comes back and instead of like us tabbing out she goes could I get another sample of these three wines like a flight of these three wines to sample okay and orders a flight of wines to sample and then Picks her favorite and orders another glass of wine. She didn't need you. She but no, having, but like, yeah. So I sat, like, she wanted to continue the date and I sat there. Oh, I thought you got up and I thought no, you like, would, I was, I thought you were going to be like, I, okay, I made it clear, like, I got to get going here pretty soon. Right. So we should probably get going. And so she oh. took that as like, oh, maybe one more drink. She called your bluff? Yes. Oh, 100%. You should have just said, called my bluff. 100%. I got to go. 
Sorry. So I Enjoy politely stayed there for like another 30 minutes while she, and I drank water. I sat there and drank water. So that's, it was so uncomfortable. Did you buy? Yes. That's polite and nice. So that that's how, how long ago you said 10 years ago? Yeah. So what, what happened between that time and today with Ed? <laughs> <laughs> Where you became such a raging jerk to Ed? People are tweeting in here. Um, Ed, there's, there's hashtags <laughs> me too, Ed. I like the There's Ed. hashtag Ed Strong. Ed Strong hashtags my favorite. Hashtag we are all Ed. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ed. Call back. <laughs> Call back, Ed. Uh, but not for the next two segments. No, because we have Doogie in 20 minutes, and we're going to play back. Thad Levine joined us a couple hours ago. Was great. He he answered questions about you, Darvish. Wasn't completely specific, but you can read between the lines, and then some good stuff on Irvin Santana and Miguel Sano, Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. We have the goods. On 1500 ESPN. Doogie with a scoop here in about 15 or 20 minutes. But first, we had Thad Levine, Twins GM, on the show earlier on to dive into a number of topics. The Irvin Santana news. You Darver still sitting out there. Other free agents. Miguel Sano. Here is what that sounded like. The Irvin Santana thing. It, was there any consideration to... Uh, either on his part or the team's part to have surgery earlier in the year so that he wouldn't have to miss time during the season. What Take us through that process, if you will, please, Thad. Yeah, you know, when you get this this news uh, late in the offseason, especially as we're about to turn the corner and go go, go down to Fort Myers, it's, it's really unfortunate timing. But the reality is, from a medical standpoint, this played out exactly as, as it was supposed to. Uh, he had a injury that he sustained at the end of last season and it really wasn't an acute injury, which is to say, no one thing uh, was the cause of this. It was just kind of a cumulative buildup of, of a little scar tissue on his middle knuckle of his, of his right middle finger. And we were instructed that with some R&R over the course of the offseason, the, the, the swelling should subside and should not be an issue. And quite frankly, all the way through Twins Fest, he started throwing some bullpens at that point. He wasn't really feeling that much discomfort. Uh, he started feeling a little bit more uh, when he started throwing some sliders, and it was that when I think that's when we realized that this wasn't entirely resolved and we needed to take care of it. So, you know, you, surgery is always the last resort. It was in this instance. It was the right call at the right time. Uh, but unfortunately, now we're going to be without his services through spring training in the first part of the season. But as I think all uh, championship caliber teams do, this could be a galvanizing moment as somebody's going to get a chance to step up and help this team for the first you know, four to six weeks until Irvin's back and ready to roll. How serious is the procedure, uh, Thad, and when's the expected return date for him uh, to realistically start again? So he, he was seen by Dr. Malone in New York, who's one of the foremost hand specialists in the United States, and uh, the, the prognosis coming out of the surgery was very positive. Uh, there was an obstruction in there, and it was it was alleviated, and it was really a buildup of, of a calcium deposit or some scar tissue, uh, and so... His range of motion is almost immediately significantly better. Uh, and I think as we learned through his ramp-up process, it was impacting him probably most on his secondary pitches, which for him is his, one of his key pitches is a slider. So we, we're being told right now that sometime between the end of April and the beginning of May is when we should expect to see him towing a rubber back at the major league level. And so uh, th- that's what we're going to shoot for. But really early to, to – to predict on that front, considering he literally just had the surgery yesterday. Sure. Are, are the twins uh, still in on you at this point, uh, Thad? And also, when do you expect a decision to, to be made there, considering that uh, we are so close to pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training camps? 
I, I just think there's been so much talked about this off season about how slow these markets have unfolded. And, you know, you, we've talked a lot about the free agent market, but I can tell you from our personal experience, the trade market may be even slower than the, the free agent market. It's so hard to predict just because, you know, I think we all thought it was going to be sometime after the Otani discussion, a lot of these big name free agents would sign. And then usually you point to the holidays and guys want to know where they're going to be. And then certainly in January, but it's an unprecedented amount of players. It's an unprecedented amount of quality players still in the marketplace uh, where most of our players are already down in Fort Myers starting to work out in advance of reporting here on the 13th and the 18th. So really t- tough to, to, to really prognosticate as to when these markets are going to break, but it, it's got to happen soon. I mean, we're, we're looking at the board. We know we still have holes on our team. We're trying to get a little bit more aggressive and trying to do our part to dislodge some of this. But so far we, we, we've been working hard to not to the avail we had hoped for on the on the starting rotation, but we're going to continue to make every effort there. I mean, it, once you Darvish signs, does that is everyone else waiting on him to set a market of some kind? It's t- tough to tell, but I you know I, I I think that sometimes is a little bit of a misguided notion that there's a immediate domino effect or cascade down when the guy at the top of the market signs. I, I don't know if it always happens that way. Uh, you know, it's not exactly a series circuit where you take one light out and all the lights will go out and put, put it back in and all the lights are working. Uh, you know, I think teams do delineate between tiers of players. So I think if he does sign, maybe the, the upper tier will sign. I'm not sure how much that would still impact the middle and, and the, the lower tiers of starting pitchers that are still in the market. Do you think there's still a chance he wears a Twins uniform in 2018? You know, it's, I, I don't want to talk too much specifically about any one negotiation we're having ongoing right now, I would just tell you that, you know, between Derek, myself, and Rob Anthony, we've been in constant dialogue with the majority of free agents that we believe could discernibly impact our franchise for 2018 and beyond. And uh, we will continue to have those conversations until those guys are either wearing twins jerseys or signed elsewhere. Uh, what is your professional theory on why the market has been so weird and so slow? Uh, because, you know, we, we've now gotten to a point where, where, as you said before, there's a lot of guys left, and, and the action still, despite the fact that we're so late in the game here, seems to be pretty minimal. Well, you know, I think it's, I think there are some unique elements to this market. I, I do think the fact that Shohei Otani was a free agent at the beginning of the market was very unique, uh, just in so much as like that literally all 30 teams could afford him and were pursuing him. So I think that led to a little bit of a slow start to the market. So the front end of the market, you know, it's not usually fast paced, but we didn't really see too many signings early on before he ultimately made the decision to sign with the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, then secondarily, you also had uh, Giancarlo Stanton, the reigning NL MVP, who was uh, being put up for bid. And, you know, that, that was a very unique element to the marketplace. And then what happened after that with the Miami Marlins relative to, you know, it seemed as if every other week they were putting another uh, almost all-star caliber player out to market. I think that uh, probably slowed the market down to a certain extent. Why we're still sitting here in February with close to 100 major league quality players on the market, I, I really I, I can't tell you definitively. I think it's a confluence of a lot of different things. Uh, so I, I don't know ultimately why, why that is the case. I think it got started a little bit slow. It doesn't certainly explain why it's still so slow on the back end. Yeah. Thad Levine, Twins GM, is with us here on Mackie and Judd. There was a story in December uh, that said, this is from uh, CBSSports.com, that Scott Boris, 
brought a 75-page binder to meetings with teams for one of his clients. I think it was Jake Arietta. Have you ever been in a room with a Scott Boris binder in your career as a GM? And what's that like? I, I have been. You know, I, I think I think there's a lot of commentary around Scott and, and even you know some of his um, more uh, more esteemed colleagues on on the agent side. Uh, one thing I will say uh, about Scott Boris and relative to a a large binder like that. His group works tirelessly on behalf of his clients. Uh, you know, however and wherever they sign, I think you know pe- people can assess that as they see fit. But there's no denying that he works exceptionally hard for his guys and presents very compelling arguments as to why certain players may be very good fits for you. And I think one thing he does as well as anybody is he tailors it specific to to, to each team, so it's not necessarily the same information for each club he he does uh, tireless research on how a player can fit specifically into the fabric of a of a team how he could elevate that specific team so uh, his, his his binders are extremely impressive extremely compelling and i think meant to uh, convince gms to potentially do something that they otherwise hadn't thought were were the best decisions in that offseason and i think in a lot of cases he's prevailed in that regard because his information is is you know that inspiring at times. That's nice, but he's got to be a pain, right? <laughs> Come on, when a guy comes in with a binder and puts it down and says, "You got to sign my guy for for six years," it's got to be a pain in the butt, Dad. Well, you know, your your first reaction is sometimes, wait a minute, is this guy kind of positioning that he knows our team and our situation better than we do? Uh, and then you get to about page 48 of uh, page 75, and you're like, wait a minute, there are actually some pretty pretty decent points in here. So you don't want to yield that for sure when you're talking to them. Uh, but certainly we've walked out of some of those meetings with, with some different opinions than maybe we did walking in. I like the binder better than a PowerPoint because like staring at a screen just for, for 75 pages is too aggressive. I want a big binder from a guy telling me about my players. <laughs> Bleep you, uh, they're how, my players. How is, Thad, how is Miguel Sano? Well, two things. Any any update from the league on, on Miguel Sano and the investigation? Then how is his recovery and uh, prep work coming along? We're, we're still in the same spot on the investigation, which is to say it's our understanding Major League Baseball is working diligently on that. Uh, we we you know kind of stand out of the way on that process, and they will update us as they have material information to share, and we will we will obviously uh, comply with whatever their rulings are. But to the best of our knowledge, that is still ongoing. And then with regards to his health, uh, a lot of promising signs. Uh, we we have hired uh, two additional trainers to work with head trainer Tony Leo uh, this off season, and Masa Abe and Tony Biancuzo, Matt Biancuzo, I'm sorry, and they're both down in uh, Fort Myers and at various times this offseason and have worked directly with uh, with Miguel and I think to a lot of positive results. So right now the leg is, is pretty much full go. Uh, what we are now working on is the conditioning just because the time off of his leg, uh, we, we just need to make sure he's in the proper condition so that we don't put any other body parts in jeopardy at the outset of spring training. So he may be a little bit behind starting spring training. The encouraging thing is it seems as if the leg is – holding up quite well at this time. We just need to work a little bit on his conditioning uh, before he'll be full go to participate in drills and, and ultimately in games. Is it is it fair to say, like, I guess my thought on him is he's already, you know, when he's on the field, he's one of the, the better offensive talents in the league. He hits home runs, he drives in runs, and, um, like, he, he can work a count, but he also strikes out in more than a third of his plate appearances. And I feel like at age 25 going into this season, this is a pretty big year to show durability. Are you a third baseman long-term 
Um, I mean, all these things. This it, it feels like he could be one of the star players in the league and be one of those multi-category guys who maybe sticks at third base, or he could just settle in at uh, you know the highest strikeout rate in baseball and miss a month on the disabled list, and maybe you have to be moved away from third base. I mean, are you? Is it fair to say that this is a pretty important time for him with the Twins organization? I think he nailed it. I, I think, you know, there's he's at a bit of a crossroads right now where going down one path will lead him to absolute greatness. The other path, I think he'll still be an exceptional player, but maybe not quite as dimensional as he as he could be. When I met him for the first time uh, down in the, the opening of our Dominican Academy, I, I just said to him, based upon the scouting reports, that I, that I was witness to when, when I worked for the Texas Rangers is when he was younger, we felt he had the ability with his hands and with his arm to be an above-average defender. And that's the way I saw him. I saw him as a complete player. And I know you referenced to kind of being a little bit more complete offensively, but I think I think it's on both sides of the ball. I think it's, it's easy to look up and say that this guy could be a DH or a first baseman in a year or two and be a presence in the middle of the order, but really more of a power presence I think the sky's the limit in terms of how he can contribute on the ball field. And we're going to do everything we can to put resources around him to give him every chance to be as complete a player, both while he's in the batter's box, but also when he's doing things outside of that, running the bases, uh, playing third base, because I think that's the difference between him being an extremely good player and an elite player in the game. So, uh, Thad, I I saw some uh, pace of play news recently that got me very excited because of this. Judd gets very excited with pace of play headlines. Potential potential for bullpen cars or carts starting in 2018. Are the Twins a candidate to have a to have a golf cart drive the guy in from the bullpen with a big Twins cap, a big TC cap on top? You know, I'd have to talk to Dave St. Peter about that. I would be 100% behind that. That was... My youth in watching baseball, that was half the fun because you're on my uh, age. Yes. Bal- you're a big Baltimore Orioles fan. The, the highlight was that the actual mascot typically drove the bullpen cart in. And so that, that was highly entertaining for kids. So if we want to cut down a few seconds of these guys running in and being gassed when they get to the mound and having to regroup, I'm all for the bullpen cart. I'll drive it. I'll volunteer right now. I'll drive it for free. You need a breathalyzer before you get in the. <laughs> We don't we, yeah, we, we, we don't we don't need Addison Reed at the at the mercy of Judd being three three beers deep. Oh my at God! Field. He hit the left fielder. <laughs> he took the left fielder out. Oh my God! All right, Thad Levine, Twins GM. Thank you for uh, for the good stuff, and we'll catch up soon after you make a big splash signing in like three days. All right. My pleasure, guys. Look forward to seeing you guys down in Fort Myers here soon. Sounds right, good. Thanks. See you, Thad. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. The most meaningless exercise in sports media. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, Thad Levine, you just heard from him. Doogie has more information on twins and free agency and if anyone's going to actually sign somebody here. But let's start with this question, Doogie. You can find his Scoop podcast, by the way, on all kinds of platforms, 1500ESPN.com. This is a question from Paul. Are you ready, Doogie? I am ready, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Happy hump day. You too. Let's start with some hard-hitting free agency reckless speculation. Can you ask Doogie about a guy who hasn't retired yet, wondering if the Twins might have any interest? R.A. Dickey. R.A. Dickey. A reunion with R.A. Dickey. Well, here's the scoop, Paul. (laughs) Is this 2011? (laughs) (laughs) Did he send that on his BlackBerry? 
Here's the <laughs> scoop for Paul. I don't anticipate the Twins making R.A. Dickey an offer. <laughs> By the way, on that, they did have conversations with Bartolo Colon's agent, Adam Katz, at length. You know, he signed earlier in the week with the Texas Rangers. The Twins, in the end, did not make Colon an offer. What is going on then with you, Darvish, and the Twins? And is this uh, basically a done deal that he's not coming to Minnesota? Well, I don't know if it's a done deal that he's not coming here. Mm -hmm. Here is the latest. I reported this on Channel 45 last night. The Twins have made an offer. So, I mean, they've gone back and forth with his agent, Joel Wolf, going back to November. You know, so many different talks, parameters of an offer discussed. I am now told the Twins have made a definitive offer. I don't know how far back it goes. It might be 24 hours. It might be 48 hours. It might be 5 to 7 to 10 days. You know, but it's been sitting there. So if you really wanted to be here, yes, I believe he would have already said yes. I am told it's either 4 or 5 years in length. Would the Twins go to 6? I've been telling you guys for a number of months I would be surprised. But is that maybe a way to get Darvish? Add another year. They did not make him a two- or three-year offer. It was not a one-year offer. So there was an offer on the table. So it's on you to say yes. It takes two to tango. But the Twins have been aggressive. Somebody close to Darvish indicated to me the Twins have been very aggressive. This person also said to me, though, the Astros are again kicking the tires on Darvish. The Brewers are going to add some starter. I don't think it'll be Darvish, but they will add some starter. This individual also said to me something that somebody else said to me, not with the Twins, but somebody very much in the know, that the L.A. Dodgers' biggest offseason acquisition is yet to come. Hmm. So who would that be? J.D. Martinez? I mean, maybe. I mean, it might not be Darvish, but two people told me the Dodgers' biggest offseason acquisition is still coming. Interesting. Mm -hmm. wonder if they could swing a trade. Like if Chris Archer might still be gone. From the Rays before the season starts. I still feel like that's a possibility. There's too much. Going back to last year's trade deadline. There's just too much smoke there. For him to be a Ray. For sure by the end of the 2018 season. Unless they're a surprising team that pops up. And flirts with a wild card. Well I'll tell you this much in the Rays. The Twins have had recent dialogue with the Rays. They've had a number of chats with the Rays. This offseason. There's still not an indication. That the Rays will deal Archer. They are looking to deal guys. Whether it's Odorizzi. Colome, maybe some others. They are interested in cutting even more payroll, even after dealing Evan Longoria to the Giants. Mm. But I don't know quite yet if it's Archer. I will tell you this much, though. The Tampa Bay Rays are big fans of Max Kepler. Mm. Now, it would take a lot more than Max Kepler. Mm. A ton more. But the Rays are fans of Max Kepler. Doogie, is your sense uh, that if the Twins mm. are to acquire another starter, it will be through the free agent market? Or do you think it's now going to be through a trade like a Kepler deal going to the Rays? Well, I mean, I heard you guys just replayed the Thad Levine interview. I heard it live 9.35 this morning or whenever he was on in the mm-hmm. 9 a.m. hour. I would take him at face value when he said, you know, as slow as free agency is moving, trade talk is even slower. But the Twins have certainly talked to other teams in addition to the Rays, but I don't sense the Twins are close on any trade. So at this point, with all these free agents sitting there, yeah. I guess I would say signing a guy, not trading for a guy, maybe save your assets for a mid-season trade. That makes sense. You know, striking 
mid to late July, but I wouldn't dismiss the idea of a trade. I mean, they are still maintaining regular dialogue with teams. Especially now that you creatively cleared $14 million off the books for 2019 by having Irvin Santana delay his surgery. Now, I don't know exactly everything that, that Fed but... said to you guys because I had both kids in the car. Or at least one, I guess it would have been. Dropped off one, still had the other one. I'm led to believe, here's what took place. When he ramped up his bullpen sessions recently, started to go with the off-speed stuff. I mean, even going back to the Yankees' playoff disaster, remember how bad his slider was that night? Yeah. He started to throw sliders recently, and that's when this thing flared up. Mm -hmm. He was given clearance when he was in town for Twins Fest, took a physical when he was in town in mid-January. They said, yeah, start ramping things up, start throwing your bullpen sessions. I mean, I you know, I heard you, Judd, say, you know, maybe it would have made some sense to have the surgery going back to October. They really did believe rest would work. You know, but yeah. Unfortunate news. Now, I did talk to a Twins official on the phone last night for a while. You know, he reminded me that, all right, if you look at the April schedule, they have a few off days. They're playing three opening days, so two on the road, one at home. So then you have the built-in off day that next day. They have another off day or two. They really only need a fifth starter, I believe, three times before May 1st or so. Trevor May will be back in May. So they're going to add somebody. You have that somebody, plus Barrios, plus Kyle Gibson, plus whether it's Mejia, Tyler Duffy. Don't dismiss Tyler Duffy. Tyler Duffy will be given every chance to win a job, a starting rotation job, in March. They'll stretch him out. You know, he's originally a starter. They'll stretch him back out. Now maybe he ends up being a long reliever. But he will be given every opportunity. Don't forget that name because a lot of people have thrown out whether it's Felix Jorge, you know, Phil Hughes, if there's anything left, just because of the contract to be given an opportunity. But don't forget about Tyler Duffy. By the way, on Kyle Gibson, the arbitration hearing expected later this week. Mm -hmm. The Twins have shown zero interest in avoiding the judge. The Twins want to go to this hearing. I'll remind you. That it's no longer Rob Antony doing this stuff for the Twins. It's new guy Daniel Adler. This gives him experience when in future years we're talking about the Keplers, the Rosarios, the Barrioses, Buxtons, Sinos. They may have to go to one of these hearings with one of their star players or big timers. This would give Daniel Adler some experience because in reality, if you look at what Gibson is looking for, what the Twins are offering... It is a joke. It is laughable that this thing is getting to a hearing. But the Twins have no interest in just agreeing to a deal right now. NBA trade deadline tomorrow. Give me any Wolves uh, steam that's going through here. I went back and forth with a couple assistant GMs this morning via text, general managers. My sense is maybe the Wolves do something with Shabazz Muhammad. They did talk to New Orleans recently about Shabazz, but then New Orleans tried to bring in a third team. I don't think they do much, though. I mean, maybe they find a Shabazz trade partner. Otherwise, I don't think they do anything. I mean, USA Today is reporting this afternoon that the Wolves are shopping Jamal Crawford. Yeah, what's up with that one? That's interesting. Well, I mean, I went back and forth with Jamal. You know, he hasn't heard anything that, that he would, but he's got an agent. He's got others in the game that he trusts. He hasn't heard anything. I reached out to two teams that had interest in signing Jamal last summer before the Wolves beat out those teams for Jamal services. Neither of those teams has been approached by the Wolves about trading for Jamal. In fact, one general manager reminded me, it was worth reminding, that, hey, don't forget, today, tomorrow, there are more lies than any other day 
in the NBA year. Maybe the day before free agency or just team, the day free teams agency trying starts. to get their agenda out or Yes. Correct. So, you know, like for example, last night sportsillustrated.com reported that the Wolves were in on both Lou Williams of the Clippers and Tyreek Evans of the Grizzlies. Now, since then, Lou Williams has signed a multi-year extension that just got done this afternoon. So if you're the Clippers, hey, if somebody reaches out and says, hey, is Minnesota interested in Lou Williams? Of course you say yes. You're lying, but you're saying yes because this person then puts it out there. The whole NBA goes to hoopsrumors.com, hoopshype.com. Yeah. That stuff starts to generate some buzz. Hey, like, by the way, it's all about, it's all about, you know, what do you have to get? Of course, every every team's interested in Lou Williams, but are you interested in giving up what it would take to get Lou Williams is the is the real But the question. Wolves never made an offer for Lou Williams. There's yeah. somebody I've known for a while in the Clippers front office, so thankfully, I feel like I know this person so well that he won't lie to me, and he told me no. Nothing. You and Doc Rivers do go way back. Oh, yeah, you know it. Doc and I way, way back. Yeah. Uh, Steve Ballmer and I go way, way back. He's one of my favorite billionaires. are both very rich, Dookie. That's the key. Yeah, so anyway. Donald, Donald Sterling, but he's out. Yeah, he's and out. on yeah, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. yeah, the Wolves checked in on Jordan weeks ago. The Wolves have nothing going on with the Clippers right now. They've talked to the Knicks, you know, whether it's Kyle O'Quinn. I mean, heck, they made Courtney Lee an offer a couple summers ago. Yeah. But not for the money Courtney Lee is making right now. The Wolves would have interest in Joe Kim Noah if the Knicks buy him out. Mm. But the Wolves aren't close to any deal with the Knicks. I mean, they're doing what every front office does right before the deadline. They're talking to a number of teams, but I just don't get the sense they are close on anything. I'll continue to remind folks, keep an eye on the buyout market. The Wolves were not in on Greg Monroe before he went to Boston. you know. But whether it's, and actually there's no Tony Allen Minnesota buzz, but... If Chicago buys out Tony Allen or Chicago buys out Jameer Nelson, you know, heck, the Wolves had some free agent interest last summer in Vince Carter. Does Sacramento buy out Vince Carter? Does Phoenix buy out one or two of their guys? Do the Lakers somehow reach a buyout agreement on Luau Dang? If they did, the Wolves would be all over free agent Luau Dang. So I'm just saying there are any number of guys that could be bought out of contracts. And so the Wolves may not make a trade. Before tomorrow at 3 o'clock, or if they do, it's a very minor trade. But keep an eye on the buyout market. The Wolves could add a free agent in the coming weeks. Uh, Doogie, in our last minute here uh, of this scoop session, indulge us in some uh, reckless speculation. Reckless speculation! Vikings quarterback style. I'm just going to throw four names, and you can either report or opine however you want. Let's go three names, actually. Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, Kirk Cousins. In reverse order... I believe that there are fans of Kirk Cousins in that front office, but do I believe in the end the Vikings will give him the richest contract in NFL history? Well, at least until Aaron Rodgers signs an extension or Matt Ryan signs an extension. At this point, I would be surprised. On, well, I don't remember he said second, but on Teddy Bridgewater, he's beloved over there. They've invested so much in him, whether it was a first-round pick, 14 months of rehab. I'll continue to say, if I had to bet... I see Teddy Bridgewater with the Vikings in 2018. It's still possible they attempt to toll the contract, too. You know, heck, if you could have Teddy back at under $2 million, tiny cap hit, who wouldn't want that? But I can just tell you, they think the world of Teddy still, if I had to bet, I see Teddy Bridgewater with the Vikings in 2018. And I would not be surprised if the Vikings put the franchise tag, or maybe it's the transition tag, but one of the tags on Case Keenum. That Keenum is back in 2018, that Teddy is back in 2018. I love reckless quarterback speculation. And then on this... It's become a religion on this show. 
you know, continuing this, you know, Vikings theme, John D. Filippo. So the Vikings submitted the paperwork on Monday morning. Yeah. Well, Philadelphia's been a bit busy. The Vikings were then led to believe at some point yesterday, after D. Filippo had a conversation with Doug Peterson, that the Eagles would sign the paperwork that D. Filippo would interview as soon as today or Friday or Saturday. He does want to be at the parade, so he will not interview anywhere on Thursday, tomorrow, with the parade in Philadelphia. But the Vikings were led to believe that they would get some face time with DeFilippo before the 10-day buffer period. Well, then the bombshell drops with Josh McDaniels. Now Frank Reich, the Eagles' offensive coordinator, has a good shot at the Colts' head coaching job. So then they might elevate DeFilippo. So then they would elevate, and he loves it there. So Josh McDaniels screwed the Vikings is what happened. Oh, yes. Potentially. Wow. I mean, just the trickle-down effect. You know, whether it's the assistant coaches who committed to McDaniels, something like this. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's off the charts how many people I mean, are like impacted by McDaniel's decision. The assistants all signed their contracts. Mm-hmm. And Mc, like, how do you have? How do you send out a press release without ink on paper for your new head coach? You know what though? I don't think that's the first time. Do you know for a fact that somebody's? Bailed? I guess I Mike don't know. Zimmer had his introductory press conference here well, after they, they signing his contract. Signed? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. I, I think it's happened before where there's a verbal the agreement. Names, the, you the, do the press conference and you sign the, the contract being, after. Being, uh, circulated right now for the Colts job are Frank Wright and Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier would be an absolute white flag wave for Leslie one year. Leslie Frazier seen as a uh, incredibly safe hire who would bring stability. You go 2-14, you yeah. fire him, and then you draft number one overall. If you're Jim Irsay, I mean, this is a pipe dream, but don't you have to call Jim Harbaugh, former Colts quarterback, former head coach of Andrew Luck? Yeah, probably. And offer him the John Gruden deal? Probably. Just let him say no, but to me that's what you have to do. You have to call Jim Harbaugh and say, 10 years, $100 million, here's 2% ownership, whatever. Take it or leave it. Yeah. More reckless speculation the rest of the offseason here you, with Doogie. Mackie and Joe. Doogie, go find his Scoops podcast, KSGP.com. You can follow him on Twitter, too, at KSGP. Uh, all right, Dukes, we'll see you next week. Mackie and I Judd. appreciate it, guys. Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, boys. We're going to do it again. <laughs> on 1500 ESPN. Help fight type 1 diabetes by joining 1500 ESPN and Channel 5 and 45 at Mall of America Saturday, February 24th for the JDRF One Walk. Join Team KSTP, co-captained by 1500 ESPN's resident bully Phil Mackey and Channel 5's Chris Egger and Megan Newquist. Wow. Help us raise money for type 1 diabetes research. For more details and to join the team, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events together. We can turn type 1 into type none. You know what? Be crying children all over the place, won't they, Dave? At least this bully will still take phone calls, unlike the afternoon bully, Patrick Royce, who doesn't even take phone calls. Unfortunately, when you do, they sound like this. Ed, you're on Mackie and Judd. Yeah, I called in a couple months ago, was concerned about the Gopher basketball program. A couple questions. Yeah. When they got Patino, I thought they were going to recruit Minnesota guys. They still don't get the Minnesota players. Ed, they, Ed, know. Ed, they ju- Ed, you got to bring facts when you call. I'm sorry, but they just landed for next year three of the top five in-state recruits. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't understand. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Did you have to berate him? That wasn't. That wasn't. A, listening back, that wasn't as stern as it as I remember in my mind. You got to bring facts when you call. It idiot. was. It wasn't that aggressive, Ed and Strong. I didn't say idiot. Ed Strong. Hashtag Ed Strong. Yes. Hashtag pray for Ed. It's trending.
You and could have two. just said, well, and I, be- I beg to differ. We do have yeah. uh, three of the <laughs> yeah, top exactly. in-state recruits that exactly. have signed on with the Gophers. So I think exactly. that's uh, that's actually a, quite an improvement. I, okay, regardless of, like, maybe I could have treated him better. But the awkward – can you play it again? Like, I, thought, I can so, play it all bleeping day, I Phil. thought Ed was going to come back. All right, I mean, he's going to fight and come back. He just he he just conceded. called in a couple months ago was concerned about the Gopher basketball program. A couple questions. Yep. When they got Patino, I thought they were going to recruit Minnesota guys. They still don't get the Minnesota players. Ed, they, Ed, Ed, they ju- Ed, you got to bring facts when you call. I'm sorry, but they just landed for next year three of the top five in-state recruits. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't understand. Okay, thank you. Oh, he just hangs up. Or Ed. Ed. All I'd want to do today was call a sports talk show and have Just a lot of sports. Really too, yeah. Was that so mean? Ed turned on his radio this morning thinking it's going to be another great day. Yeah. 651-646-8255. so many it. things to I'm make fun it. of the Gophers for, and that's not really one of them. Yeah, Trey Jones would have been nice. Trey Jones would have been nice. I'll give Ed that. Ed, Trey Jones is the best basketball player in Minnesota, and he's not coming to Minnesota. Ed talks to Dave. It's really pleasant. Dave's like, just hold on. The guys will get to you in a second. Ed's like, this is going to be great. Yeah. I'm going to join in the Gopher bashing. Waited on hold to give us content, and that's how you treat him. Yeah. We just got another segment out of it. That's right. Ed Strong. I guess we can just let anyone call and spew misinformation and fake news in this oh, country going now. going after yeah. I guess anyone can just deliver fake news now. The fake news media is now the fake news callers. Is that what you want? You want 1500 ESPN to be the fake news callers, too? Yes, I do. It's not enough just to have fake you know news we, media outlets. We, we got fake Ed, news callers. We need to get Ed on the show tomorrow and iron this thing out once and for all. Ed, call back tomorrow. We'll give you three full minutes. Hell, we'll give you... You can co-host. Come in studio tomorrow. You can do a show with Judd, and I'll just sit back behind uh, a microphone turned off, and you guys can debate using your own facts. I'll be very nice to Ed if he does that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you will. Very cordial. I'm sure you will be. You guys have a great time. That's good. Poor Ed. The awkward silence. It is. <laughs> he just like he didn't even fight back. Outsta- he just said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see it coming Did he, apolo- he apologized oh, to I'm me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You treated, oh, a, God. You treated a guy Fred. twice your age probably like a child. <laughs> Maybe three times. I don't powered. know. All right. We're back tomorrow to Ed, we love berate you. more callers. That's right. 651-646-8255 if you want some of this. Bye, Ed.